Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. Welcome to the Arsenal Vision podcast. Alas, Elliot can't be with us today. He's uh, on a cruise somewhere. I don't know why I think that's hilariously funny, but I do. Anyway, uh, he can't be with us, so sadly today's going to be great. By the time I'm done editing this podcast, as I promised on Twitter yesterday, I'll have our two fine guests agreeing with me that we're on for the treble. So with us today are Tim and Clive. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming on. Pleasure. You're welcome. Good, good. Right, we're, we'll get, we're going to try and keep this one relatively short for us, so we'll, we'll get stuck right into it. Tim, you were at the game. Um, mm. I, that's an assumption, but an assumption yeah. that's rarely, rarely ever wrong. Um, so uh, it was a bit of a funny old atmosphere there. Uh, we can get into a bit mm. of politics later on, but just at a kind of a surface level, uh, we've become connoisseurs of funny old atmospheres recently. Each one has its own quality about it, but this one had its, seemed to have its own quality too. Any, any thoughts on that side of things? Yeah, it was, um, it was actually, uh, it was by Emirates standards um, and indeed by the standards of most Premier League home grounds, I think, because most of them are pretty quiet nowadays. But I thought it was pretty decent, actually, particularly um, at times when, you know, when we were 2-1 down, when we were 1-0 down. I really thought as soon as we went 1-0 down, I thought, oh, no, here we go. We're going to get the... You know, we're going to get the the booze and the grumbling and things like that. But actually, I think the crowd really responded. And I I wonder, and, and you know, Arsene Wenger made a real point of saying that afterwards, of saying, Absolutely you know, the, the crowd was behind us. in a positive us. way, according to Arsene. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't think he said that lightly. I don't think that's that was political, just about him currying favour. It, it was a bit like that. Um, and, and in fact, what, what was weird is that the, the fans and the team seem to do the same thing where actually they they looked quite a bit better when when the team were behind but then when we were level we we didn't quite know how to attack the game and go for that three points and maybe that's because everyone shared this this fear of losing and uh, and I was quite surprised that I didn't really see where that was coming from it, at some point, usually, when your team's playing quite badly, and this has even happened to Arsenal in the fairly recent past, kind of um, a, a, a sense of camaraderie does often kick in. I have seen this before, where we've had like a bit of a bad patch, and actually people go through the stage of getting angry and getting upset and everything, but then they kind of come out the other side and, and really rally. And, and sometimes even when it's, you know, when it's really bad, which, which you know, it has been recently, people develop almost a sense of gallows humour. Um, I must say, I do, given the mood and the temperature at the moment, I didn't see that coming um, with Arsenal fans at the moment. But maybe it was. Maybe it was just, you know, an, an acknowledgement that, well, look, there's loads of shit happening outside the ground. Um, we're all having our say. Uh, everyone knows we're having our say. It's it's widely covered. So you know, m- maybe maybe that that contributed to making the stadium a slightly more positive um, place. But I I think you're right. I think a lot of people have said this. The whole 
temperature of the game was was weird. It was really, really strange. At times, it felt like a pre-season friendly, but not not that it lacked intensity. But it didn't feel it didn't feel vital. Yeah, you know um, that scene. At times. You know that scene in uh, uh, the life of Brian, where where uh, who's it? It's uh, it's pilot or whoever is coming out to the crowd, and they're. The, the rabble's in a funny mood, and they're they're doing Willis Boyan and Willis Wadwick, and you know you just yeah yeah it it's like there's a kind of a, as you said gallows humor, there's a sense of humor about the occasion, but it's a dire occasion, and it's just like they're finding ways to entertain themselves in between the kind of the serious moments. It just there was something odd, really odd about the quality of, of that particular game. Was there a sense in which um, so Clive just to give you something to think about while while we're going through this, you're on for talking through the selection, but I, I just did want to finish off with Tim to ask, is there a sense in which City at Home was almost the perfect game to have up next, in that if it had been another West Brom, you know, you might have maybe fancied mm. the chance at three points a little better, but such a chance for things to turn ugly for the manager. Any kind of a result I... against City... Um, and they've always been a good opponent for us in terms of like an openish game, which we really needed to start our. So, so a dangerous opponent, but potentially as good as it possibly gets. Yeah, yeah, and also a kind of a dangerous opponent in and around us. But we don't have that kind of historic rivalry with City. If it had yeah. been Chelsea or Tottenham or Man United, there'd have been a lot more anxiety. Maybe even Liverpool, although that's a bit more convivial. I think you're exactly right. It was a game that we didn't absolutely 100% expect to win. In fact, most people probably did. I had a sneaky feeling we might sneak it, but um, most people I don't think were rating us for this game. It was a game against a a fairly close rival, a team that plays quite similarly to us as well and has, I think, some of the same frailties. Um, Kind of like taking on our mirror image, albeit City are in a bit more confident at the moment, but I think you're right. I think all of that played into it where it was a game where we knew that even on form Arsenal are not red hot favourites to win this game. So there's probably an element to which we knew that we would have to get behind them. And it didn't have that same sense of needle and anxiety that a game against someone like Chelsea or Spurs or Manchester United will have. So I think that definitely did play into it as well. Yes. Yeah. Clive, anything you want to bite off on that before we get into the selections? Yeah, I definitely agree that um, there was a level of gallows humour for so sure. I think I think I know about you guys, but I was sort of using that to protect my emotions. I just feel like mm. what's been happening with Arsenal has just been so emotional, so draining. They're starting to really sort of affect many people's view of what they're watching and what they're seeing. Yeah. And there's been some wonderful stuff written about the club recently and um, on all aspects. It's really, it really gets your soul searching. So when you come to the actual thing that we should all care about, the game, you normally go into, you go into self-protection mode and you, you're watching something and you think, you know what, this could be really bad. I need to look after myself emotionally almost. Yeah. And humor's a good way to do that. Um, Do you think there might have been a bit of, you know, you go to a blood sport, I don't know, it's the hounds chasing the fox, and it's all great fun and stuff, but then the hounds chase up to the fox, 
and you're like, uh, you know, the the hounds of fucking blood dripping all over their mouths, and you're like, oh fuck, I, you know, I hadn't really thought how how what this was actually going to feel back like when we got to the kill. And was, to me, there's a little bit of that with supporters and arson. You know, they've seen him hounded recently and beaten up pretty badly and kind of on the ropes, and th- they may well consider. They may, whatever their feelings on it, they may well consider it's time and that, you know, it's of his own making. But still, when the hounds catch up to the fox, they don't really want to see the, the, fox, the fox, this, this manager that they... Yeah. I, I think the majority of fans, no matter how angry they are, feel a connection to Arson. And whatever, however they want to turn it out, this to turn out most wanted to him to take a serious look at retiring they don't want it to be ugly and and this was one I of those all, occasions where yeah where, yeah i think we all know this is, this is a painful time and yesterday it could have been more painful right the whole experience could have been painful i think both teams lacked a bit of consistent quality to really kill the other and city had a greater chance in my opinion to do that and um but this whole experience is, is, is painful and it's I don't see that we we're getting we're getting ready for the pain. Do you yeah. see what I mean? I think we all feel there's more pain. We're preparing ourselves for it. We're concerned. Yesterday could have been a terrible day. If De Bruyne scores uh, that ball didn't hit the post and we go two down early, I just wonder what the mood would have been like in, in that crowd. Yeah. Getting ready for the pain, two more years of it. <laughs> just joking. Um so, I promised to talk about the selection, so here goes. The selection. Um, what did you make of it? Uh, obviously, uh, without Elliot here, we don't get into the... We'll try and trim back a little bit on the Giroud discussions and maybe talk about some other players we don't normally get into the, the, mix, into the mixer here, but you can't get away from the striker selection as, as part of that overall conversation. Yeah, and this is, I, I really will know what Tim thinks this as well, but when the selection comes out, you, you see the front three, and, you know, there's no issue to that front three. They're, they're fast, they're intense. I quite like a, a faster team. Yeah, I thought you liked this, uh, this front three. Yeah, they're, they're fine, right? They've got, different, they've got different attributes, but the way we line them up, I just don't agree with. You know, I, I would have loved to have seen Alexis Central. Um, they they played Navas at, at right back, and I'm thinking, who does he want to play against? You know, a six foot plus beast in Welbeck running him backwards. Well, Alexis, he does. He plays like a number ten from the left. He plays in front of you. He's not going to challenge you in behind. He's, he's going to trick you in front and come back into a into a crowd scene. I think I think we missed a trick there to really challenge uh, Navas from a fullback perspective. I know he went off quite early, but I was hoping Alexis. I want to go back to that. I want to get those relationships going again where he can be far more influential from a central area where he can score more goals. Uh, the midfield too, I mean, I don't think it worked early in the season and it didn't work for me yesterday. Um, I just don't think there's enough control, support, line running. I don't think they play close enough together. I don't sense a relationship. I only sense panic when I see those two together I don't feel comfortable <laughs> I just see gaps, I see people running past people, I don't see our recovery speed being quick enough and what what's generally happening to us probably since 
the Everton and City week, all teams have done is speed up against us. They speed up and they test us athletically. They test our ability to recover into the spaces that we've left. And they run through us. And when I see those two in the middle, I don't feel encouraged that that situation is going to be fixed. And the, the, the saving grace potentially, City didn't recognise. In the, in the away game, they speeded up in the second half. In this home game, they were fast in the first half and, and they brought on Yaya Torre and slowed down in the second half, which gave us a chance to build some confidence. Uh, and they allowed us back in. They should have, in my opinion, they should have murdered us. They should have murdered us and they and they took, they, they didn't, they didn't kill us. They had us there. They didn't know what to do. They didn't put us, they didn't put us away. And we've come away with some building blocks of confidence. So, um, so yeah, so the rest of the team, that's how I saw it. I thought it missed an opportunity there. Centre mid, centre forward situation is where we need to fix if we're going to get a run towards the end of the season. Yeah. Hey, Tim, can I pitch something at you um, in terms of well back at centre forward? I don't know what your overall <clears throat> thoughts were, but there was every chance City might dominate possession and Arson knew that. And one of the things Welbeck gives you is the ability to run in behind where Alexis is not necessarily the the fastest player on the field. So uh, he gives you that through the middle. He's also obviously a taller player, so he can do a little bit more hold-up play. Um, is there an argument to say that given that there was a reasonable chance we'd want to go direct, especially with our fluency mm. and our lack of confidence on the ball, which was available in, in uh, spades, in this particular game, you know, if the mar- if the manager always picks this front three, so be it. But in this particular game, maybe it's just one more game where he's like, eh, I- I- I'm still going to go with Alexis on the wing because I got other problems. Yeah, I, th- I think there probably was an element of that, particularly in the second half. I think we tried to be a little bit more direct. I think he was looking specifically at um, the Jacker ball over the top, um, you know, to either Walcott or Welbeck to to get in behind. I was kind of all right with the shape of the front three, but I totally agree with Clive's point on Navas being at right back. <clears throat> I, I get that, that that's not what we would have expected or planned for, but I think once it became apparent, and particularly once Navas had been booked, um, one of the things I really like about Welbeck, about Welbeck in the wide positions is the reason managers like him so much is because he really follows instruction. And not only that, but he's, I think he's actually tactically a very clever player. He's, he's quite good at working out what an opponent's weak spot is and going for it. And um, quite often when he plays wide, he, you know, sometimes like, so at Anfield, he, he was kind of playing wide, but he went up front really. He was, he was in a two. Yeah. Um, with Giroud because that, that was what the game called for but quite often when he goes wide um, if, if the game calls for it he'll stay wide and he'll create width for you yeah. um, and I think I think he, he could and maybe would have really done that that said I, I don't think he looked sharp at all um, even in the centre forward position no. so even even if in theory he, he ended up not having a great game that might not just because have been just because he was at centre forward. If if he's not sharp or not quite match fit, then maybe it wouldn't make much difference if he was on the left wing anyway. But 
I, I certainly saw the theory behind it. He didn't want to go, you know, lump it up to Giroud because, as you say, there's space in behind City, and you want someone, you want someone strong enough um, to hold the ball up. The other thing about Welbeck is actually, I think he recorded a hundred percent pass completion, yeah. and um, that's not not the first time he's done that. And for a centre forward, that's incredible, a hundred percent. And I, I get that value, valuable to a team looking to keep the pressure off and to not be under indeed. the cosh from City from a possession standpoint. Indeed, uh, indeed, and, and, and that's fact, that's something he gives you. Wasn't Sanchez the player who gave the ball away more than anybody on the day? I mean, he was good, but he was tired. And, yeah. But the 30, yeah, yeah. 33 times he gave it away, so there may have been uh, some accidental brilliance to it, uh, or maybe that was mm. just the way the game played out. And Clive, I'd like to have one go- more go of pitching it to you, which is, to me, a player... Uh, one of the opportunities that today is to talk about Nacho, seeing as we're not going to talk about one or two other players we always uh, obsess about, who I thought had an absolute fucking stormer, and I give him a lot of grief uh, over the last few months. And his understanding with Sanchez it was really our game plan in terms of attack, and that works because they know how to play each other, and they have a... Uh, how many times did Sanchez, you know, put... Uh, uh, Nacho through to, uh, uh, to the byline, etc., and vice versa. So yeah. that that was one of the strong points of her game. And any thoughts on Nacho? Yeah, uh, there was a few players that really sort of stood out for me. Actually, I, I, I'm looking for green shoots, right? I'm looking for. I'm I'm sick of being negative, right? So Amen, I'm trying to brother. look at the Amen. positives, right? And, uh, and there's a, there's a couple of players that really so I, I really enjoyed watching. Um, Nacho was one of them. I thought. I thought he really looked to combine. I thought he really pushed on. I thought what Alexis did with him was was smart. I thought he shared the ball quite well. What Alexis does, he gives it away, but what his number one strength is, is, is actually transition. His reaction to a mistake, reaction to something that someone else does. He, his reaction time is brilliant. So when he gives it away, he's still dangerous because he just goes and wins it back again. Yeah. Right? And he almost like, creates his own turnovers. Right? So... um. But I thought the role he played with Monreal was good. I still think Welbeck could have done that equally as well. And we'd have got more from Alexis, more danger. And what Welbeck does do from the left, I think it simplifies his game. And Tim is absolutely spot on. He's not super fit at the moment. So having a simpler, straight line, shuttle running game from one side where you can see the pitch and run through lines, I think that would have suited him a little bit more. But he wasn't the end of the world. Monreal did really well for me, but another one who I've really criticised. I've not, I've not been sure about him as a profile centre back, but I thought Mustafi showed a real bit of grit, a real bit of leadership. I thought he pushed on. I thought he was quite aggressive. I know it cost us a goal when he was overly aggressive. He didn't cover around, but I saw someone trying to drive us forward. He popped up on the right wing, and I just I didn't see him hiding, and uh, he did much better without Koscielny in the second half as well. So I'm looking for green shoots there, and the player. Well, well that's that a big we one saw... there, isn't it? Because if you look at the arc of our storyline recently, it's like having a decent first half, then we lose Kishelny somewhere around half, yeah. half, and we turn to fucking shit. So there's one green shoot. Exactly. I mean, if you think back to pre City for his injury, he was turning into the leader of the back four, yeah. and then he's got injured. He's come back. 
and and we've lost him. But I saw a bit of that come back yesterday. I don't know what you think, Tim, as well, from the being in the ground. But I saw something there to say, you're you're now coming back. Your personality is showing. The leadership is mm. showing. And I thought he, he I thought he did you know, had a decent game. And it wasn't his actions. If you've got a player like him who's front foot, it's all about what you do around him. As long as he, if he's going to be ultra aggressive, that's fine. But you know that, and then you make sure you come around and you make sure you're, you, you take your position from him. So, you know, and, um, so to, yeah. to once we work on, that out, we'll be fine. Yeah, to pick up on Clive's question to you there, um, mm. centre-backs, uh, a fascinating quandary going forward because Gabriel is apparently Brazilian, so I know you've had your eye on him. We've got the Mustafi conundrum. Uh, we've got Per coming back, and if Ospina is our mm. goalkeeper, he's, he's in the midget category. Uh, you've got a couple of, the potential to play a couple of Germans together, Gabriel's been almost good enough for you to say he's he's earned kind of the next shot at it. But then you got Ospina. You, mm. you need to bring some control, some command. Of course, Pearl will tend to play on the right of the centre back pairing. So what going forward in this absolutely critical period? You know, the, what was interesting about this selection is the manager. This is who the manager trusts with his life, because that's what they were playing for yesterday. Mm. It's, there's no more mm. development, there's no more field of force, trusting that if he does, the, you know, if he says the right things, they will. This, these were the people he most trusted for that first 45 minutes, so that's the mode we're in at the moment. So, centre-backs? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think he'll give Gabriel the next shot, just because... Um, the thing is with playing Murtasaka is it necessitates a complete shift in what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, you kind of have to go into deep block mode. Yeah. And with some of the opponents we've got coming up, um, perhaps, perhaps if City was the next game or perhaps if Spurs was the next game, he might be a bit more tempted to do it. But, um, you know, with, with West Ham and Palace, I, I think he's going to put Gabriel back in there. And um, I, I think, I think, I think that's what I would do at the moment as well. I thought I thought Gabriel was excellent um, yep. when he came on actually, and I, I think you're quite right about about Mustafi there because for that for that first goal he wins the header, he wins it absolutely emphatically. He does his yeah. job. He comes out, that he engages the striker, he wins goal, the header. No, no, exactly. He wins the header and heads it, you know, well into City's half. That we shouldn't be there shouldn't be a player one on one with the goalkeeper one touch later from that and I, I don't think that's really his fault and I think that stems from some of the uncertainty between Coquelin and Jacker because when you look at their attributes together you think well yeah on paper it kind of makes sense because you've got one one guy effectively what you've got is one guy who can pass but can't run and you've got one guy that can run and can't pass. <laughs> um, but but actually, you know, some sometimes sometimes like um, you know putting putting attributes together like that that don't work. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes players don't cover each other. Sometimes two negatives just makes a negative. If you There's get no relationship I mean. there, is there, Tim? There's just no relationship no, between the two exactly. of them. There's just no relationship. Exactly. You can see it. There's just no symbiotic feeling of when one moves, the other one moves with them. Obviously, Cochrane and yeah. Cazorla had it, and I think I actually think Shaka and El Nenny have got it, but I yeah, those I do. two haven't got it. They haven't got it. No, they're they're too far apart, and uh, and that says that 
you know, they, they don't track one another's movements. I, I agree with you. You look at Jacka and El Nenny, I'd be much more inclined to go that way because they seem to understand each other. They play nice and close together. They get Arsenal out of pressure with one touch passing. Not really an option with Jacka and Coquelin. So Jacka's constantly having to look for that crossfield pass and he's good at them. Um, but they, they work much better when you do two or three killer ones a game. Um, and you catch the opponents by surprise. If you're having to do it every single time you receive the ball, you lose the element of surprise. I mean, he's very similar to Manu Petit. And Manu Petit did not play that ball, you know, 15, 20 times a game. He'd do it once or twice. But when he did it, it was it was crucial. It would it would put you in with a good chance. It needs If you're going to switch to play like that, it needs to be a bit of surprise factor. And I don't think you really get that. Whereas if you stick Elneny in there, You've got the short passing combination option as well to vary things up. But going back to the, the centre-halves, I do think that he'll stick with Gabriel just because Gabriel's a slightly closer approximation to, to what he's losing um, yeah. in Lauren Koscielny. And I, I still think, I, I think Gabriel's been getting actually a pretty hard press. I'm not saying um, he's played brilliantly, but I think we were very, very quick at the beginning, myself included, to say that he looked really good. And then we've been too far too quick to say to write him off as absolute rubbish. Um, and I, I think the jury maybe still be out there a little bit. But I don't know. I'm one of these people, when I see someone's best performance, um, that's, that's once I get a sense of their potential... Um, I, I tend to be quite curious um, about them, which is maybe, by the way, why I'm one of the people who's a bit more patient with Aaron Ramsey, for example, because I think once you see that level of performance, I, I always think to myself, how do we get that more? How do we get that more often? And sometimes you can't because the player's just not motivated enough to do it, isn't consistent enough. But I, I'm always um, I'm curious when I see... Um, someone's potential and I think we've seen some some really good performances from Gabriel and I thought this was one of them yeah um, he was handling Sergio Aguero um, with Man City playing on the counter um, and I thought he did it very well he was very alive at that front post every time that Manchester City tried to put a cross in he was equal to it and it could be that that, that just suits him um, and that suits his style they did seem to try and put a lot of crosses in in the second half and, and maybe that suits him more than, you know, people running off of him and running in behind him. Um, but I, I'm, I'm absolutely certain that um, if Koscielny is not fit on Wednesday, it'll be Gabriel that he picks. And the other significant thing about it, um, because I'm interested in this kind of thing, as soon as he came on, I said to the guy that sits next to me, that, that entire back five is now Spanish-speaking, all five of them, because um, Mustafi played for Valencia for a little while. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't really know how significant that is. I think it's probably significant for Gabriel, more so than for the others. But it, if you've got five of them speaking Cochrane's Spanish... It's probably if he wants to stay in the team. <laughs> Rosetta yeah, pick, pick up some uh, Espanol. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, uh, you mentioned our Spanish back line. Um, so Bellerin, it, one of the thoughts I've had recently is Bellerin has been, for understandable reasons, uh, below par. But he's actually taken a while. To, you would expect a young fellow with that kind of pace to kind of snap back a little quicker. But this was this was a game where he, he still wasn't great in the sense that 
he didn't give us that added he didn't do that thing that carved them wide open he had a few reasonable attacking moments we haven't seen the best of Hector Bellerin for a little while and I do wonder what has it cost us over the last X number of games where he's been playing but he's been below par you look at that for like two three different players who have not been in great form recently and you wonder how the performances of a few players can just tip a game. There's the the old Alex Ferguson thing that you're not you're you're not going to have eleven good players on the pitch, all in form in the same ga- game. You're lucky if you have seven or eight who are having a good game, and we've been having two, <laughs> beyond the troubles of the manager. And I think the Bellerin thing might be a little bit beyond the troubles of the manager, but not helped by it. And but to me, this was a game where he was at least at par, and our defence was kind of mostly at par. Um, and if I, I think, I think if I'd told you, Clive, that at half time we'd be two one down, and Koscielny would go off, and Gabriel would c- come on, you'd shit yourself, correct? Yeah, all I did, almost literally, <laughs> right? So, um, and yeah. The, the, I totally agree with him on Gabriel. And, um, I thought he had a great half. Very difficult game to come into. Fast-running team, running through lines. I, I thought he was really, really good. And I think back to the way I assess players. is very similar to Tim, actually. I think back to Everton away last year when Gabriel played against Lukaku, who was on fire. I thought he had a great game. And once I saw that top-level potential that he could really hit that level, it's only a matter of time before he hits it again. He's 25, he's fast and athletic. I'm not worried about him. And the same for same for Bellerin. I mean, this this guy has got a six-plus-year contract in his back pocket. And I've been quite disturbed, really, about some of the reaction to a couple of six-out-of-ten performances. I mean, he's, he's a kid in his second season. He's had his first proper injury. I wonder how fit he really is, and I hope he gets a summer off, but he's probably going to have to go to the under-21s. I wonder what's happened there, but I don't despair about him. He he didn't cover around Mustafi, and and we got we conceded a goal. He didn't get his recovery run quite quite correct. Mm. But I watched that game again today, and again he never hid. He gave the ball away a couple of times. He was always progressive, always there to receive it from Walcott on the underlap. He still pushed into really dangerous areas. He didn't stand his whole thing. Oh, I've given the ball away. I'm not going to push his team forward. I really like to see a, a, a player who's battling for form show some bravery to keep doing the right things, keep doing what we want him to do. Yes, he get the ball away a couple of times, but I tell you what, Man City would have him in two seconds flat. Sure. Right? And, so would, and so would a lot of teams. And So we need to be a little bit more circumspect about how we, we judge him because he could be a future captain for our team if we look after him correctly and nurture him properly and support him properly through this little bit of a um, we're talking 6 out of 10 performances from you know down from the 9s he was doing regularly recently before his injury etc so I'm not worried about him Sane's a good player Sane runs through lines that's what he does he runs through people he gambles he gambles on the offside and he's very strong very tall I thought after Bellerin settled down I thought he handled him fairly well he didn't get run again so um to be a bit more pace with him. Hopefully, his form will come back. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, running through lines, uh, line splitting passes. I thought, what what did you think of Chaka's game? I know the Chaka Cockerland thing. 
was uh, very hit and miss. But how did you mm. feel that? I, I, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, mate. I'm a I'm a I'm a Shaka fan. Yeah. But uh, you, you can't. Your eyes don't lie, right? Your eyes don't lie. I, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure from where Tim's sitting, he can see it. He, he, he moves forward smoothly, like a BMW, and he comes back like a Skoda. Simple as that. He just, he just, just not travel well on the recovery. That's why he goes to ground early because he doesn't want to be running back twenty yards into his box. I mean, on their second goal, his recovery run was pitiful. Again, what he did. We were trying to break out. I think he overlapped on the left-hand side. I mean, what's he doing out there? If we're breaking, what you should do as a centre, I mean, you should break centrally. So if it breaks down, you're in position, right? And I thought his position was poor. Um, I just, he just can't run. So if he's your man, then you need to say, okay, he's my man. I want him to dictate our play. You're not a good athlete. So I have to protect you. I have to have two athletes around you in a, in a slightly different formation and put you in an armchair. And until we decide, if we decide he's our man, then we need to do that. And if, he's, if we can't keep continually making him do something he's physically not able to do, and that's what it looks like to me, he's physically not able to cover the spaces that we want him to cover. And if you get into a situation with Cockerland where there's no relationship, our defensive distances are too big, then eventually he's going to break. And it normally manifests in a card or two. And that's what we're seeing. Tim, Chaka, he can't run, he can't tackle. <laughs> is, that, is that your assessment? It's funny because as Clive, Clive says, we, we need to explain to him he can't run. I'm like, so does, does Arson mix this into the same speech where he tells him he just can't fucking tackle either and what's left of this guy? <laughs> it's... It's when the game's in front of him, it's fine. He can tackle when the game's in front of him. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's it's when someone starts to go past him, and 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 you know, um, not being able to run, as Clive says, it, it's not really a problem if you've got the players around you. Perlo couldn't run. Yeah. Perlo barely broke into a stroll. Um, but what did they do? They put you know Milan put Catuso next to him. Um, you know, and he played with I think Marquisio at, at, at Juve. You put these players around those players um, to to, to really really get evil. the best out of them. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I suppose the issue is that we're trying to do that with Cockerlan, but yeah. whether Cockerlan is is really of that vintage or maybe even of that that level of intelligence, um, really, and also we're asking Cockerlan to engage high up the pitch and force turnovers, but obviously that means he kind of has to abandon post. And yeah, yeah I, th- I, th- I think with Jacko, it's, I, I, th- I think there's a really, really good player there. I think there's a really good player there, but we just haven't got the system around him that, that seems to work. And I'm mean, going back to what we were saying a minute ago. I, the only, the only player I think that, that really, really helps to solve that is, is El Nenny. Yeah. Um, because he's got that energy, but that kind of intelligent energy. It's not that kind of I'm just going to run around and and you know go into tackles. And it, it's it's a bit more it's a bit more thought out um, than yeah. that. Albeit you know, so, and Nelly's movement is a bit more metronomic, isn't it, Tim? He sort of he stays yeah, close. He he's he's aware of his job. He's aware of his job. Aware of his space. 
and he's aware of his partner. Yeah. And that's that's so important yeah, in that exactly. position. So the thing that worries me I about mean, he... Jack El Nenny, apart from what we see with our eyes, is if we think back to Arson trying to explain them as players, uh, A, he does a piss-poor job of persuading you that uh, he really knew what he was buying in both cases, and ha- but more importantly, how yeah. it's all going to fit together. But B, in both of them, he's struggled to define either one of them as a defensive midfielder. They're all some kind of in-betweeny, box-to-boxy, that can do a bit of... Def- and you listen to him, and you say, it sounds like the guy just showed up, somebody else sent him over, and he's spending this season trying to work out where they fit yeah, in. Yeah, although, although Wenger has, in recent seasons, kind of liked that, um, having you know two number sixes rather than a number four and a number eight, Yeah. Um, for example. And we, we've seen it even when Jack has played with Ramsey, where the, the way he spaced them at times... I mean, I, I'm not convinced that Jacker is a number six, really. I think he is just, like you know, like we did with Manu Petit. We didn't ask him to do anything but sit there on pretty much the edge of the centre circle. And, and you know, Vieira had that kind of athleticism to then get up and down. and, and But he wasn't, you know, really a number eight as such. And we, we just haven't found that formula with Granite Jacker yet. And I, I feel a little bit sorry for him, to be honest, because... While I think you know some some of his tackling and is 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 just really really poor at times, I kind of feel like he really wants to feel like an important player in this team. That he really really wants to be a significant player in this team. He wants the keys. He do, he doesn't. Yeah yeah, but he doesn't. He seems willing to take it on. And when you listen to him interviewed, he's he he seems you know he seems so keen, uh, really really keen, and someone who really wants to get. He, he he wants to really get Arsenal and be like a big part of it. He seems, you know, one of those players that's really really proud to be here. Like he's been working for this opportunity, yeah. and he what he wants to take it, and he knows that he's got the ability to take it. But what he doesn't have really seems to be a partner that that he can work with yeah. and a manager that understands him. And absolutely. You know, that, that's, that's and, all and just... And in the middle of all this of funk problem. at the moment where we say things like, and I, I know why we say it, we say the team's quitting and, you know, it's, they're a bunch of bottlers and it's spineless and they've quit on the manager and the manager's lost the dressing room and why don't players show some leadership? You know, you, you look around it and it's, it's complicated, isn't it? Because, yes, there's that running through the team, but that's that whole kind of the core, uh, that esprit de corps of a team that's beyond just individuals because you look at somebody like Chaka and, and he's not bottling it you look at uh, I'm go- I'll bring up my old mate Theo who's you know famously uh, non-committal uh, in terms of attitude and throwing himself around and he's like a fucking savage animal these days I'm not saying he had a brilliant game but uh, he I mean we also saw those moments but beyond those moments he was hearing around the place doing his best impersonation of uh, Alexis hounding them from the right wing and his goal was all about hustle and uh, he collided with Fernandinho and put him on his ass didn't think I was ever going to see that happening Um, Mm. might have had a little look in that but that's neither here nor there Uh, and so you look around you know Bellerin has never quit I'm not going to Koscielny you know Mustafi has never quit 
individually, for for the most part, you'd say individuals haven't quit, but it's it's isn't it like a belief in the team kind of thing? The, it's the yeah. team quit on itself rather than the individuals didn't sh- give a shit, and you know that does come down to the manager, but. It's just complicated when you look at somebody like Chaka and then Walcott and Bellerin and Koscielny, etc., etc. Uh, 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 and if you like those players, you can see those guys didn't individually quit. Yeah, not at all. I, I don't think, I've never had the sense that there's like an air of out-and-out out out mutiny like we probably saw at Leicester. I don't think it's a, right, we've downed tools. I think they just the players lack a little bit of guidance. And I, I, I don't know if you'd describe this as conscious or subconscious, but they're looking around at each other and just going, yeah. it, it's April and we still don't know what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's going on? And I, I, don't, I don't get the impression that anyone there is like, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe one or two players are, but I don't get the impression as a group feeling of, oh, this guy's a clown, let's just, you know, let's get him out of here. And um, but I just I don't know I just get this kind of feeling they're all still scratching their heads and looking at each other and going there, there's a plan right yeah he's like he's going to tell us what the plan is soon isn't he yeah and uh, that, that's that's more the sense I get I think that's right Clive I'll get you in here but to me um, they haven't even quit on the manager they haven't quit on themselves or each other what they've quit on is as you said they don't know what they're doing they don't know what the plan is they don't have they know what the plan is it's just clear to everybody it's not been working and it's not about to and it's kind of they've they've quit on the the concept of who they are as a team and how they're going to win games they just don't see a plan that they can follow through on yeah, we, we haven't we haven't found we haven't found a formula yet really we we're talking about these we talk about pairs, aren't we? We talk yeah. about relationships. We talk about centre backs. Talk about centre mids. We're talking about that spine down the middle, and we talk about that in April. And yeah. we've been talking about it for, you know, we've we've been debating it as a fan group for for months, right? And we're still not there, right? So, so we haven't got that 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 clear formula, which you always find by now. But also, Arsenal is a team of flow. Right, and we move the ball. It's all about timing, pace of pass, and movement. And when you lose confidence, the first thing that goes is is your flow. You hesitate. The amount of time we saw passes going behind people yesterday, you know, that's the sort of thing. Just simple five yard passes, balls going cross field passes from Shaka going out. Shaka is a player I really, really like. I like to have that sort of player in, in our team. I don't agree the system. We've got the right system for him, but he's got real ability to fire that ball into feet from all different spaces. But he's playing the ball out. You know, people are just moving late, not moving early enough, and so we've lost our confidence. We're hesitating. We're hesitating before we go into the tackle. The people are running past us because it only takes if you're one yard off, you're done. You're running 15 yards back, and it's that's what we need to get back that confidence and funny enough the, the last time I saw us play with a bit of heart and a bit of flow and a bit of confidence was probably the first half against Bayern Munich and um, okay it didn't work out in the end but I saw something there I saw something there yesterday we we sort of we got we got something out of the game which I hope is the first building block of rebuilding that confidence again if that comes back then we've got a chance to see some more movement and flow, more Arsenal football. And then hopefully we can look at what we haven't got in this group and look at how teams have, have really hurt us 
and I think they've hurt us with a, a level of athleticism, intensity. They've outrun us. Our, our running statistics over the last 10 games, I think we've been outrunning every single game. Um, we're, we're just not where we need to be, where the game is moving towards. And I hope this period is showing us what we need to do and how we need to move forward from a player profile perspective. And um, So yeah, we're still searching for that formula and it's not here. And we can sit here all night and talk about it and we'd probably, we'd probably get closer to agreeing what a team should look like because we know each other. But, you know, that debate across the fan group is still ongoing and Benga has not sorted it out yet. No. Good stuff. Uh, so, Tim, we got West Ham next and then Crystal Palace the weekend. Is it? Yeah, Monday. Um, mm. So... Does this 11 we've we ended the game with, or certainly started the second half with, is that our template even against West Ham, uh, which will be an entirely different game at home? And what do we do about set pay- pieces and uh, the aerial prowess? I haven't even watched West Ham recently. Is Andy uh, Carroll still alive, or has he broken his fetlock and they're putting him down again? He 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 is alive. Yes. Oh dear. So, <laughs> what are what are your thoughts on how we line up against those guys? I don't think there'll be many changes. I don't think he'll play Welbeck again. Even if Welbeck yeah. had played a little bit better, I think it's he'll manage that situation until the end of the season. And uh, I think he'll probably bring Giroud in. Um, to be honest, so it won't be so. All the other pieces will probably stay in the same place. Can't see him starting a Wobi um, at the moment. Chamberlain, I think, is kind of 50-50. And so, you know, even if he makes it, I'm sure he'll just be on the bench. Ditto Ramsey, who I think is 50-50. What it might mean is that we have a little bit more on the bench or um, other means of kind of trying to change the game because the subs we made against City didn't didn't really change the course of the game in our favour. Um, we, we still struggle to really switch up and change the impetus and go for a win. But maybe that was down to confidence as well and, and, and a little bit of anxiety. But I see this team staying roughly the same. Yeah. I personally would, would go with Jacker and Elneny um, in the middle. I, I don't think that's what he's going to do, though. I think he'll stick with uh, Granite Jacker and Francis Coquelin. Um I think, he'll, you know... It, He'll play Gabriel um, at centre-half, and so we'll probably get Pear on the bench as well. Um, but yeah, I, and, and you know, maybe playing Giroud, like you say, if, if Andy Carroll's going to play, perhaps playing Giroud makes a certain amount of sense. I'll be interested yeah. to see if we stick with the zonal marking um, for Andy Carroll, because, um, you know, we've had some problems giving players a running, a running start, and actually Mustafi's goal came about um, yeah, by very very similar means. Actually, he he almost spotted what had happened to Arsenal a couple of times and thought, why don't I try that? And kind of hung back on the edge of the box and really attacked it. And um, you know, I'd be Great interested goal. to see if um, if we doctor things a little bit um, for Andy Carroll. But it's not really Wenger's style. He does tend to stay just stick with what he's been doing rather than make specific plans for individuals. But bringing Giroud in might be a bit of a halfway house um, that you might consider from set pieces. But I think with Andy Carroll, the way you deal with that is with your goalkeeper. And, you know, Espina didn't deal with it against West Ham last year. And um, 
Whereas when we played West Ham in the season before, Wojciech Szczesny played, and whatever you think of Wojciech Szczesny, he's he's very good and very commanding coming off his line. He he likes that challenge. He likes coming out and getting those crosses and attacking the ball and stopping a striker like an Andy Carroll or like a Ben Teke who thrives on that service. That's not a Spina's game um, at all. And then and winking that, at us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and that concerns me. A Spina is much more of a shot stopper. He does not come off of his line. He does not, you know, it, come certainly off of not with any... He barely any, comes over it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes he seems to be <laughs> sitting in the front row. Um, and when he when he does, it it's it's not really that convincing. So that's where I'm a bit more worried, rather than perhaps the specific set piece for yeah. it. Um, but that said, um, West Ham have lost their last four games. So if there's one team less confident than us at the moment, it's got to be West Ham. And you know they beat us at home last season. So perhaps there's a little bit of revenge to be taken there as well. But I, I think we're going to win. Yeah. Clive, what's your front four for West Ham? Yeah, I'd agree with almost everything Tim said there, and I would pick out Nenny. I think Drew will play. Welbeck's obviously got a knee in, a nice, you know, chronic knee injury. It needs to be managed, so he will not play two games in just a short space of time. I think he could be back maybe for Palace away. Um, so, yeah, I would do that, and I'd love to see on Nenny come in. But also, the key thing in this game is really about our defensive starting positions. So I think it's very important that we play you know, quite a high line. And, uh, you know, this is not a day for a deep Mertesacker. Uh, this is a day for Gabriel Mustafi. High starting position. Keep Andy Carroll away from your box. That's all you got to do. And if we do that, playing the right areas, I think we should take him. Manzini's a decent player. He's um, he's, he's, he's a lot better than what people realise. He was playing better than Paye before he left anyway. He's a slot into that role. He's a decent player, but they're not very confident. And I think, you know, we need this win. And I think look, we need this win really badly. I think everything will feel different if we get it. You know, so I think it's really important that we have some assertiveness from our back line, and we start high, play high, really push them back, front foot them, and test their confidence. And hopefully, we'll come, we'll come away with a win. Yeah. And I think I'm, and I'm going to this game as well. So I'm going to. Uh, See it live and direct myself. Good stuff. Well, I think um, I concur with you guys, but not for footballing reasons. I think given that Giroud is going to play up front every few games and Elliot's on a cruise, I think this is the game to play Giroud up front, get it out of the way for the sake of the pod. Um, so with that, guys, uh, good stuff. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for your, your uh, chipping in today. Pleasure. Thanks, Clive. You're welcome. And I guess we'll all be back together after the West Ham game in a a couple of days here. Bye-bye.